This is the day that we recognize as Palm Sunday, which for some that may, what in the world does Palm Sunday mean? Or another phrase that is used sometime is the triumphal entry of Jesus Christ into Jerusalem. In other words, this is the Sunday or this is the last day of the, or the first day of the week before Jesus spends another couple of days in Jerusalem before his crucifixion. This is that day. Well, let me, let me explain what the word Palm Sunday means. In the day that Jesus lived, if a ruler or a new king or a governor was appointed over a city, it didn't have to be Jerusalem, but any city. Any city where there was a new ruler or governor or king or prince that was coming into power, what they would do to welcome them into power, or if they recognized them, or they liked them, their first entrance into the city, people would line the streets, and they would cut palm branches, and they would lay them in the street as they would come in, and that was just kind of a welcoming thing that they would do for a new governor, or a prince, or someone that was coming in to rule the city. It was a sign of acceptance. It was a sign that we approved. So what we're going to be looking at this morning is the last week of Jesus' life here on earth in ministry. What he was doing is coming into the city of Jerusalem and the people were recognizing and accepting Jesus as a ruler, a king. That was what they were accepting him as. So the term, the triumphal entry is used. So this was Jesus is coming in and he is going to triumph over the Roman government. He is going to take rulership over the world. And that's what was expecting to be happening on the day that Jesus come into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, the Sunday before the crucifixion. Thus, the title, as I was researching and looking, this title came to me, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. Now, some of you will recognize that real readily. I found out in my Sunday school class that I'm much older than I thought I was. Some in my Sunday school class did not recognize that phrase and didn't realize I was that old. The thrill of victory and the agony of defeat was a phrase that was used by the ABC television show, Wide World of Sports. The television show, Wide World of Sports, started showing on ABC TV in 1961. And they would go and they would do a variety of sporting events. I mean, a lot of times just baseball, football, tennis, something like that was all they would show on TV. Well, the world, Wide World of Sports started with the game of pro bowling tournament. They, no one had ever seen bowling on TV. They introduced it, and it became a great hit. Wide world of sports. They ventured out into bull riding and all other kinds of sports. But it wasn't until 1978, in 1978, they started this new intro to the, the, the show Wide World of Sports, and this intro was this, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat. 
And when they was talking about the thrill of victory, they showed this Chinese man. And I mean, there was this many weights on one side of the bar and this many weights. And it shows him and he lifts it up and he presses it up and he stands there. Man, the thrill of victory. And then it showed a NASCAR guy and he was sitting there shaking a champagne bottle and champagne. This is the thrill of victory. They had a boxer up on his shoulder, on their shoulders, and they were parading him through the street. The thrill of victory. And then it gets to that part. And the agony of defeat. How many of you remember the agony of defeat? Raise your hand. And what was it? Man, do you remember the skier? He is coming down the, the big ski jump, and he gets about three quarters of the way down, and he falls, and then he's spinning out of control as he goes over that, that ramp. I'm like, Oh, dude, I, I remember that. Then he shows a motorcycle rider, and he's going around a curve in this motorcycle wreck, I mean, race, and he just he wipes out the agony of defeat. Then he shows a bull rider, and he's on top of the bull, and I mean, just one moment, and then he's way up in the air. The agony of defeat. The thrill of victory. And the agony of defeat. Man. I got to thinking about what happened to Jesus and what we're going to look at this morning. And I want you to know, man, when Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem on that first day of the week on Palm Sunday, I want you to know everybody was hooping and everybody was hollering and everybody was saying, this is the thrill of victory. The king has finally made it to Jerusalem. Our rescuer, our savior has come to save us. Man, it's going to be great. What happened before the end of the week? They had Jesus nailed to a cross. They took his body down and they put it in a tomb. And what do you think everyone that was following Jesus felt on that day? The agony of defeat. So this is what I want us to get from this service this morning. When you walk out the door, This is what I want us to understand. This is the point I want us to go home with. I want us to understand that everything that took place the last week of Jesus' life, He was in full control of everything that took place. And what appears to be the agony of defeat was actually the foundation of His victory. Now, I hope, let me say it again. What I want us to go home with today is understanding that everything that took place that last week of Jesus' life, what he was in full control of everything that took place, and what appeared to be the agony of defeat was simply the foundation for the thrill of victory. So let me begin here. Let me begin here. Jesus' ministry became, uh, or began, just shortly before he announced his ministry by John the Baptist. John the Baptist is known as the forerunner of Christ. He came preaching that the Messiah was coming. The Messiah was coming. And this is what he came preaching. He came preaching, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Mark In Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1 it says, And in those days came John the Baptist 
preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. But watch this. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17. After Jesus has been introduced unto the, the nation of Israel, it says, From that time on Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Again he said that. Now, at one point in Jesus' ministry, he gets the twelve disciples and he sets them down and he says, Listen guys, I want you to go into these, these towns around you. Watch what he says in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into the city of the Samaritans, enter ye not, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, then Jesus again, in Mark chapter 1, verse 14, he says, Now after that John was put in prison... Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Now what in the world does that mean? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What in the world did that mean? Well, let me tell you what it means. If, if it is saying that it is at hand... What he's saying is, listen, the king is here. Repent and get ready because the king is here. The king is about to set up his kingdom. He is fixing to establish this. He is fixing to overcome the enemy. Repent because the king is here. He is at hand. Being at hand means he's right there. He's at the door. It's time to get started. And I want you to know the disciples believed this. I mean, they were excited about this. Man, everything we've read in the Old Testament about God coming and establish a kingdom, that the son of David is going to sit on the throne and he is going to rule forever, that time has come. I want you to know most, well, no, let me just say that, not most. Some of the Jewish people believed it and were excited about it. Look what it says in Luke chapter 18 and verse number 31. Luke chapter 18 and verse number 31. Now let me tell you what time and place this has taken place. You remember I'm telling you that Jesus is coming in on Palm Sunday. This is the Sunday prior to them crucifying him this week. Now look what it says. Then he took unto him the twelve, and he said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. Now, this is what he's doing. They are walking down the road. It says he takes his twelve to the side. And he says, Now listen, guys. We are on our way to Jerusalem this morning. Now, we're fixing to see this in just a second that he has not yet entered into Jericho. And I was trying to figure, figure out us a place that would be us being right here in Soda right now, and we are walking to Onalaska. That's a pretty good distance. I'm guessing that Onalaska is between 16 and 18 miles. Am I, am I pretty close to that? 
All right. But that's what it was. It was about 18 miles from Jericho to Jerusalem. Jesus is going to walk into Jerusalem this night, this evening, this afternoon. That's where they're going to lay down the palm branches before him. So before they even get into Jericho, it says that Jesus takes his 12 aside. Verse number 32 says, For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and he shall be mocked, spitefully entreated, he shall be spitted on, they shall scourge him and put him to death, and the third day he will rise again. Now this is what he's telling these guys right here. He's saying, listen guys, this is what's going to happen to me when we get into Jerusalem. Now, we look at the scripture and, and Jesus saying, it says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's saying, listen, the king is here. I want you to know when Jesus said that to them, it went right over their head. Because Jesus just told them what was fixing to take place in Jerusalem. We're going to go there. They're going to kill me. I'm going to be put in the grave, and I'm going to rise again. Watch what it says here in verse 34. And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. And it came to pass that as he was come nigh unto Jericho, a certain blind man sat by the way, uh, the wayside begging. So we see that Jesus has stopped them as they're on their way to Jerusalem and he has explained to them, we're going to Jerusalem, they're going to arrest me, beat me, crucify me, and on the third day I will rise again. But we see in the scripture that these things were hid from them and they did not understand what Jesus was saying. Now, Brother Wayne, how are you know for sure that they didn't understand. Well, now let's look in Matthew chapter 20 for just a second. Same event, same event, the first three or four verses there are going to be exactly what we just got through reading, and but then you'll see what's taking place as they're getting on down the road to Jerusalem. Matthew 20 and verse 17, it says, And Jesus going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples apart in the way, and he said to him, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, Son of man shall be betrayed into the chief priest and to the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to be mocked and scourged and to be crucified, and they will crucify him, and the third day he shall rise again. Verse 20 says this, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. This is the mother of James and John. And he said unto her, What will you have me do? She saith unto him, Grant that these two sons may sit, the one to the right hand and to the other on the left, in thy kingdom. Now, did y'all just hear what's going on? Jesus just told them that he's going to be crucified and he's going to be put in the grave. And then she runs up and says, Jesus! I know you're fixing to establish your kingdom. Would you let my son sit on your right and your left? So you see, they did, she did not comprehend what Jesus was saying, that he was going to be the sacrifice for our sins. She didn't understand that. She still had in her mind that Jesus is going, he is going to eliminate the enemies of the Jews, and he was going to be the king like King David said over the Jews. That's what she believed. Would you let my two boys sit on your right hand and on your left hand? So I want you to know, they truly believed 
that this was going to take place. So let's look and see what actually takes place. Go with me to Matthew chapter 21. This is one of our key verses this morning. Matthew chapter 21. So Jesus has gone by the way. He started on the other side of Jericho. He's made his way through Jericho. When he comes through Jericho, understand that uh, 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 the blind man Bartimaeus has received his sight. Before he got out of Jericho, he stopped and he said, Hey, Zacchaeus, I need to eat with you today. He stopped and had lunch with Zacchaeus. He got on down the road and he began to tell parables to his disciples. I mean, Jesus knows he's going into Jerusalem and this is going to be the last chance, one of the last chances he's going to have to sit and just teach his disciples. And he, he, pulled, he says, listen, guys, you need to understand, I, I am the vine and you are the branches. Anything, anything that you receive is going to come through me. And he's teaching them all of these parables as they're going along the way. As they get real close to Bethany, which is just two miles outside of Jerusalem, we read this in Matthew 21 and 1. It says, And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem, and were come to Bethany, and into the Mount of Olives, then Jesus then sent Jesus two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them, and bring them unto me. And if any man say unto you, uh, what say ought unto you? You shall say, The Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Sion, Behold, the king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting on a donkey, the colt and the foal of a donkey. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the donkey and the colt and put them on put on them their clothes, and they sat him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strode them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I'm telling you, I would love to sit here especially to our young people. I would love to preach a message to you about that little donkey that Jesus rode on. And all of the other... I ain't got time to go into that message, do I? She's shaking her head, no. I, 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 hey, I, man, I have got a great message for y'all one day. Well, let me just touch on it. Just, y- y'all just hold on just a second. I'm going to tell them what this message is about. I want you to know Jesus, Jesus needed a donkey that no one ever had ridden on before. That donkey was set aside just for Jesus to ride on one day. And I want you to know that little donkey was probably looking at all the other little donkeys that were running and jumping out in the field and people, little kids was riding on them. That little donkey's going, man, I wish I could go out there and do that. But I want you to know if anyone had ever rode that donkey before, it would have disqualified Jesus from riding into the Jerusalem. That very, Y'all get the message there? Oh, man, it's a good one. You ought to, you ought to hear it when I get to preach it one day. I'll, I'll let y'all preach. Anyway. Let's get back on subject here. Listen, there was a whole lot to do with this little donkey that Jesus rode into because one of the things the Old Testament told us in order for Jesus to come into the city, he had to ride on, the, on a donkey, a little white donkey. That's what he had to ride in on. This fulfilled the scriptures that proclaimed that. Old Testament tells us that the day is going to come and he's going to ride in on a little donkey that no one had ridden on before. 
And Jesus fulfilled that scripture. I wish I had time to tell you about Daniel chapter 9 and how it describes the very exact day that Jesus would ride into Jerusalem. I don't have time. I may mention that tonight. Okay, we may go over that tonight. But did you know in Daniel chapter 9, it tells them, they said, from this proclamation until this day, the Messiah will ride into Jerusalem on a white donkey. You know what they should have done? Man, they should have had canopies set up all along the way. They should have been selling hot chocolate and and sausage on a stick and waiting Jesus' arrival. I mean, they should have been celebrating, waiting for him to be there. The Bible gave them the very exact day that Jesus would ride in, the triumphant entry. All they had to do was mark their calendars. Man, they should have started preparing a hundred years out, saying, the king is coming, the king is coming. Only 9,999 days left and he will be here. They could have marked it on their calendar, but they didn't. But they didn't. They missed it. They missed it. But here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus. Now, watch this. Watch this. When two armies would gather on the mountainsides, and there was a valley between them, and the valley represented the battlefield that they were fixing to take place in, in front of these two armies. These armies would set up uh, on top of these mountains in the valley where they would be fighting the battle. Before it would start, they would send representatives to decide, okay, listen, do y'all sh- are y'all sure you want to fight this battle? One would come down from one army and meet in the middle, and one, ar- one would come down from the other army and meet in the middle. Now, if this guy on this side came down on a white donkey, that meant I come in peace. This guy on the other side, he came down on a white donkey, and they would meet in the middle of the valley, and they would meet and they would talk about something like this. They'd say, hey, we've got a problem between each other. Can we solve this before we get started fighting? That's what the donkey represented. Peace. I come in peace. But watch this. If this guy on this side of the mountain came down on a white stallion and came to the middle, or a black stallion and came to the middle, and this guy come over here from a black, a white stallion and he come to the middle, do you know what that meant? We fixing to kick your tail. And this one over here says, no, you watch this. We fixing to kick your tail. We ain't got nothing to talk about. But what did Jesus come riding into Jerusalem on? Did he come riding in on a white stallion? saying, I'm fixing to take over, I'm fixing to rule this place? No. He come in on a donkey. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came riding in on a symbol of peace, that little donkey. Understand what Jerusalem means. Salome means peace. He rides into the city of peace declaring that I come as a servant humbly. And listen, there's a whole message there that Jesus came to give himself for you and me riding in on that little white donkey. Scripture after scripture after scripture in the Old Testament proclaims it. Jesus is coming so that we might have victory in this life right here through Jesus Christ. As he was coming in, they were shouting things like, Hosanna, son of David. The son of David was the coming king that would rule over the whole nation of Israel. Hosanna means one who saves. or It means save now, save us, 
or Savior. That's what the word Hosanna means. So when they were hollering Hosanna, they were saying, Save us! Save us now! You are our Savior! They recognized that. When it was saying that Hosanna in the highest, in the highest means deliverer or Messiah. I want you to know when Jesus was riding in on that little donkey, I mean, they were throwing palm branches down. We accept you. We want you to be our leader. We want you to be our king. Throwing their jackets down. I accept you. We want you to be our king. That was what was taking place. That's what this triumphant entry was all about. Then we read in, in, in Luke chapter 19. In Luke chapter 19. In verse 39. Luke chapter 19. In verse 39. There was another group there besides the ones that were accepting Jesus as their Savior and their King. That was the religious people. They were known as the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And listen, when they heard all what all these people were saying, they went and they scolded Jesus. Notice what it says in verse 39. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke your disciples. And he answered and he said unto them, and I think Jesus said this with kind of a laughter under his tone. Hey, listen, I tell you that if these should not hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And when he was come near, he beheld the city, and he wept over it, saying, If thou hast known even thou, at least in this day the day, the things which belonged unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thy eyes. For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee around, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knowest not the time of thy visitation. What Jesus said, he said, listen, I have given plenty advice that I was coming. I even gave you the exact day that I was coming. I even gave you signs. I told you about the donkey that I'd be riding in in Zechariah. I mean, all these scriptures are accumulating. He said, you didn't recognize me. And you're not, you did not accept me. And as a nation as a whole, the nation of Israel did not accept Jesus as the Messiah. He said, and because of that, because of that, those last two verses, identify what will take place to the nation of Israel which took place in 70 A.D., the enemy is going to come and they're going to dig a trench around your city and they're going to knock down all your walls and they're going to destroy your temple. That happened in 70 A.D. by the Roman government because they rejected Jesus. They rejected Jesus. But then we see what took place that week. Here comes this agony of defeat. Man, they, have, they were excited the Pharisees getting on to him. Hey, y'all better quit singing and saying all this about this guy. Hey, man, they were lifting their arms. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hey, don't say that in Scripture. I'm just reading between the lines there, okay? But man, they were accepting Jesus, this group of Jews here. They were accepting me. Man, they were excited. 
But then as the week began to play out, they arrested him. Middle of the night, they come and they arrested him. When they arrested him, his disciples scattered and nobody even followed him. They stood there and, and they began to condemn him and they tried him in the middle of the night. And when someone even came and asked Peter, one of his faithful followers, don't you know this guy? No, no, no. They denied him. And then they took Jesus and they beat him. They crucified him. And he died. And they're like, what happened to our party? The thrill of victory is gone. They just put Jesus in a tube. The agony of defeat is upon us. I want you to know, they didn't understand. They didn't understand. Let, remind, let me remind us of the point that I want you to go home with. This is the point. When Jesus came into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, and they were laying down the palm branches, and they were excited, and they were praising Jesus for who He was, that was the thrill of victory. Jesus was in full control of everything that took place. He was in full control of when they placed that crown of thorns on His head. He was in full control when they scourged Him to the the point that He didn't even look human. He was in full control when they stretched out His arms and nailed Him to a cross. He was in full control when they put Him in the tomb. And He was in full control when He rose from the dead by the power of Almighty God. I want you to know He was in full control and this was the foundation that was laid for our victory today. Drum roll, please. Revelation. Chapter 19. I know it's not up there. You need to write this down. You need to flip. If you didn't flip, go take time. Flip to it. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Highlight it. Underline it. This is what's coming. The foundation that Jesus laid on the week that he was crucified, John says these words. Revelation chapter 19. And verse 11. Whew, this puts it all together right here. It says there, John is speaking. He said, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. Y'all remember that white horse? A white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true in righteousness. He doth judge and he makes war. Listen, I want you to know Jesus came as a servant when he entered in Jerusalem on that day, but he's coming back as the Lion of Judah on a white horse. His eyes were as a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed in a vesture dipped in blood and his name was called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen and white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it 
He should smite the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and the wrath of Almighty God. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. The foundation that Jesus laid on the week that he was crucified and that he rose again, the day is coming. When Jesus will open up the skies and he will ride on that white horse to this earth, he will speak and destroy all of the ones that have stood against God and he will be crowned King of kings and Lord of lords of it all. Whew! I'm telling you, it don't get no gooder than that right there. So this is what we need to notice this morning. Listen, the thrill of victory was not when Jesus came on Palm Sunday. That was not the thrill of victory. The thrill of victory is when He overcame death in the grave. It's when He was rose from the grave. The agony of defeat. Let me tell you, death never had a chance. Death never had a chance. Oh, goodness, I wish I had time to use this illustration. I just don't. I'll give it to you tonight. We live today. We live today by faith in what Jesus Christ done on the cross for us. We live today from victory, okay? We're not trying to, to gain victory. We've already gained victory. We should live our lives victorious because of what Jesus Christ has already done. And the day is coming when He is going to set this earth up and it's going to be just like it was in the garden. And we'll live here for a thousand years in perfect glory where Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. And then eternity will begin. Are you prepared for that? Many in this room will say, yes, I'm prepared, prepared for that. Now let me ask the next question. Are you living like that? Towards, not towards me. Are you living from victory? Man, nothing, nothing has a grip on us in this world today. Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's stand together. Father, thank you so much. You're... <laughs> You make your words so exciting for us to look at and to read and to understand. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that gives us the understanding that we just can't have any other way. Father, as we examine this last week, starting today as Jesus, 2,000 years or so ago, came into Jerusalem, help us focus today on that event and then as Monday comes, let us go back to the Scriptures and see some of the teaching that He proclaimed that week. And then as the week comes to an end, seeing His crucifixion and His resurrection, help us just worship You this week for what You have done for us. Now, Father, as this morning we offer an invitation, we're just simply offering an invitation for anyone to respond from what you've spoken to their hearts this morning through your scripture. So I just thank you.
for this opportunity that you give us to respond. Be with us now as we sing this hymn of invitation. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.